Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, you can call in today about, well, the things that are maybe not necessarily on topic. You got to be sober and sane, though. Spare my call screen. The insanity. Before I get back to phones, though, and please be patient. I want to I want to spend a moment on an actual serious topic. You know, it, this we every once in a while in the past week we sent out these these like Sunday sermon videos, and I stopped. Uh, and the reason I stopped is because it became kind of programmatic, and I I think they should happen more organically as the need arises. Um, you know, I I for those of you who are new listeners to the program, I, I've been going to seminary and I've actually taken the last two years off out of necessity because my schedule has been so insane. Uh, for a time, I was doing six hours of radio and I couldn't go to class. And I moved into a, a PhD program at Southeastern Baptist and had to stop and go back to RTS, finish the MDiv instead because I just independent study. Uh, wasn't, it wasn't conducive to me being able to get anything done. I need to be in a classroom with a teacher and I love Reformed Theological Seminary. I, 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 I hadn't set foot on Southeastern uh, campus, but I love Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, Ligon Duncan, uh, the chancellor there, is just a phenomenal uh, theologian and, and friend and uh, all around just great guy and has just done tremendous stuff with RTS. I'm a big fan. And I look forward to going back and I'm, I'm going to have to repeat some stuff and probably will never actually get the degree, but take all the classes, which is all I wanted to do anyway. I wanted the knowledge. Uh, it, it has helped me here, but I just, I, I'm, this is as much as I have enjoyed being invited to preach in churches and being able to get in pulpits and preach on Sundays. It's actually more challenging than talking for three hours a day off the top of my head. Cause with that, you actually got to do a real sermon. Uh, I, I enjoy the challenge. I don't get to do it enough and I kind of get it. I'm a guy on the radio. I talk politics. I kind of live my life very transparently. And it, it, it's off-putting to some pastors and some church congregations to have me in a pulpit on a Sunday. I relish the opportunities, though. I find it rewarding to do. But I don't want to do it every day here because this is not a theological show. This isn't a, a, a sermon show. And I think if I got in the habit of saying, oh, I got to talk, I got to do a theology piece on radio so we can incorporate it on a Sunday, it's just, it's, it'd be bad. But occasionally there are times that I need to say something uh, that are not specifically political and maybe not deeply theological, but but more in that vein. And this is one of those times. I want to go back to the Alex Jones stuff. I can't talk about this story without feeling a burning rage. I'm going to say something I haven't said to you guys before. I try to lead a pretty transparent life. I, I, there are a lot of reasons I haven't brought this up on radio. Um, back in 2016, I didn't support Trump. My family kind of wanted to shelter me from the fallout of it. We had people show up at our house. We had three men show up at our house to threaten us. We had to have security guards. I, I've told you guys about that. I've told you about the level of harassment 
my kids face. They were chased through grocery store. What I didn't tell you, cause I really didn't know my, my wife and kids didn't want to tell me at the time. There was a campaign. My, my kids were going to our church's school where we thought they were safe. There were kids in my daughter's class who were on a regular basis encouraging my kid to commit suicide. Because of what I did. Their parents hated me so much for not backing Trump that their children took it out on my kids to the point it was a, a regular thing for them to try to push my kid off a cliff. Not something I try to dwell on. That my job did that to my kids. They're now in a better place. Thankfully, they're in a better school. Um, but that happened. And it was a while before they wanted to talk about it. Every election cycle, my kids get a little antsy. It impacts them at a deeply mental level to have lost all of their friends because I said something on the radio their friends' parents didn't like. It was taken out on my kids. And the parents who were not brave enough to confront me harassed friends of mine and my wife and others because they didn't like what I was saying. When I brought up Alex Jones yesterday on radio, there were a number of people who wanted to say, well, what about what the Democrats have done? What about the censorship? What, what, about, what, what about the lies the Democrats have told? I don't understand why any of you are allowing your sense of right and wrong to be shaped by right versus left. If you are determining your morality and what you care about based on what the other side cares about, you're letting the other side care control you. You're no better than them. Let me tell you what Alex Jones did. You can give me all the, oh, well, he apologized. He said he was wrong. Oh, yes, he absolutely did. When there was finally enough outrage, the parents decided to sue, but he went on and on and on and on, calling it a great big hoax and a, and a, um, and, and a false flag operation for a very long time. Alex Jones inspired a man to try to dig up the dead body of a six-year-old to prove there was no one in the grave. People vandalized that child's grave. They peed on his grave. And a woman who lost her six-year-old son in Sandy Hook because he was gunned down by a madman started receiving pictures of dead children in the mail because Alex Jones convinced these people this woman was a crisis actor and had made it all up. And some of you have emailed me and told me there's no way Alex Jones could provoke people to do that. There's no way he could convince people to do that. My child had kids tell her she needed to commit suicide because of what I was doing on radio because they were provoked by their parents. This is a very intimate medium. I'm mindful of the power of the voice on a microphone when you can't see the face. 
Don't tell me Alex Jones couldn't provoke people. Alex Jones damn well could provoke people, and you probably do know it. But to say, well, what about the Democrats and this censoriousness and, and what the Democrats did and what the left does, and the left hates him, so I must like him. If you are allowing the left to shake your, shape your view of right and wrong, you're no better than them. You don't like them, and you're allowing them to control you. Your sense of right and wrong, your sense of what is just and unjust should not depend on what the other side thinks. You should be able to think for yourself. And too many people on both sides of the aisle now don't want to decide for themselves the situation so they find out what the other side says. And if the other side likes it, then they hate it. If the other side hates it, they like it. There is a level of madness a level of darkness that is festering in our society on the right and the left, and at all points in between, on the apolitical side and the political side, there is something festering. It is a mental illness spreading over social media, and it is not good. I am being bombarded with white nationalists because I defended a family who forgave their son's murderers. Christ on the cross had been battered, tortured, bruised, beaten, nailed to a cross, had his garments divided, and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And that seems to be a model for Christians. It seems to be a model for anyone. Forgiveness. And there is this strain on the right these days that is not Christian, but uses the same messages and passage of Scripture as theological progressives do to twist faith, the same sort of sickness, same sort of illness. And they're saying, well, no, it's, it's, it's an eye for an eye. Actually, Jesus said, uh, I told you, and you've heard eye for an eye. I say, turn the other cheek. I was dragged into this because someone commented about this family. The parents lost their son. He was with his girlfriend at a Dave and Buster's. He was murdered in a parking lot in front of his girlfriend. And the parents gave an interview to a local TV channel in Atlanta, and they said they forgave the killers. The killers are black. The kid is white. And the white nationalists are accusing the parents of weakness and cowardice in forgiving the killers. My point when I replied on social media was, how are you to condemn parents for choosing to forgive? And I got to read you, there, there's, there's a guy on social media, and let me read you his tweet back to me on that. There is a disease of the mind that afflicts white people like Eric Erickson that makes them think it would be honorable to wash the feet of the murderers of their children, especially if they were not white. It is beyond pathetic and deserves nothing but contempt and disgust. Notice the wash the feet of the murderers. In John 13, John, who was an eyewitness, we know he lived, we know he was real, we know he was one of Jesus' friends. He said, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus washed Judas Iscariot's feet, knowing Judas Iscariot would betray him and have him murdered. And this guy on the internet says that that's a sign of weakness. It deserves nothing but contempt and disgust. These are not people on the left. These are people on the right. 
These are people who've gotten jobs at right of center think tanks who are saying this. You and I focus on the madness, on the illness, on the left, on on the rise of the transgenderism, on hauling kids off to drag queen story hour, on a Virginia state senator who's a Democrat who says she wants to throw parents in jail if they don't support the gender transitions of their children. You got the same sort of demonic madness festering on the right as well. It manifests in a different form, but it's the same thing. And there are too many of you, I hope not you, my listeners, but people on the right, who are allowing your sense of right and wrong to be shaped by your sense of right versus left. Small little twists and turns lead to big heresies. 2016, I did not support Donald Trump. I still think character counts. I've come to recognize that we will always be choosing between Democrat and Republican, no matter how bad the candidates. But in 2016, I said, I just can't do it. And that provoked parents so much so that their children took it upon themselves to try to convince my kid to commit suicide. To hear people, to hear people say, I can't criticize Alex Jones because the left hates him, or I will criticize him, but we have to also admonish the left. That, that to me strikes me as the same thing. You are allowing your sense of partisanship in politics to decide what is right and what is wrong and what you can and cannot criticize, which means you're allowing them to control you. And the same here, these people, these white nationalists and their sympathizers, they have embraced the intersectionality and identity politics of the left they profess to hate, and yet they shape their entire lives now around white victimhood and white society and the superiority of the white race, and that um, any white person who shows kindness to someone who is not white is somehow weak and uh, disgusting and contemptible for doing so. They themselves have allowed what the left has done to define themselves. The real power comes from being able to stand righteously and decide what is right and what is wrong without having to look at the other side for guidance, but to know morally deep down what is true, what is real, and what is right. And there are people on our own side on the right, people who call themselves conservatives, who have lost the ability to stand up and say what is real and true and right and wrong without looking at the other side at a side glance to figure out what they're doing. They've lost their moral boundaries. And so I, I use my time here to admonish you, tell you, guide you, chide you, exhort you, and lift you up and tell you, I have been through these things. I have lived them in my life. I have seen these people come after my family. And I am telling you, the darkness that festers on the left is festering on the right as well. And if you cannot stand up boldly and truthfully and call people on your own side to account, without having to make it a what about the left, we're going to lose a generation of people who are just going to walk away altogether. And we will ultimately lose any sort of culture fight, any any sort of fight. Uh, we will lose them all. And, and God himself can bring them back, I suppose. But my goodness, y'all, what festers on the left, we've been so busy watching the madness on the left, we've kind of lost it and forgotten that it's festering on the right as well. And it is festering and festering badly. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. 
They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. I want to take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. Also want to remind you, if you want to join me at uh, the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia, October 28th for a end of the campaign deep briefing before we head to the election, uh, text the word bourbon to 33777. There's a VIP ticket. You come early, you hang out, try some bourbons, check out the gun range. There's a general admission ticket where you just come for the conversation, hang out with me, ask questions. Um, We'll be there for quite a while that night. As long as you want to stay, I'm happy to spend time with all of you. Just text bourbon to 33777. You don't have to drink. You don't have to shoot. And if you want to shoot, you don't even have to bring a gun. They got stuff there. Now, I want to go to the phones. Uh, James has been waiting patiently. James, welcome. Yes, sir. How are you doing today, Eric? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, um, I had a comment for the gentleman that um, the uh, Second Amendment, uh, the gentleman that said he didn't have the rights because he had had previous convictions. Mm-hmm. And I, I was listening to him. I assumed that it was probably something more than a misdemeanor. Um, there's nowhere within the Second Amendment in the Georgia Constitution or the United States Constitution, much less any other one across the United States, that says that a, that a felon can't own a firearm. And the difference between it is that the legislature only has granted authority to be able to regulate what is written in the Constitution. They can't regulate something that's not written in the Constitution, which means they can't apply laws to the people. Statute laws don't apply when it comes to common law rights. So his civil rights still stand above the statute because it's the highest law on the land. Yes, but, uh, yeah, look, I I don't disagree with what you're saying, uh, and it was a felony from the 1980s for which he has done his time. Uh, that being said, um, it has never been contested before the Supreme Court that there is for federal crimes, and his was a federal crime, not a state crime. Uh, there is a prohibition under federal law for uh, someone who has committed a prior felony to be able to purchase a gun. There are ways to overturn that over time. Uh, but uh, typically in the United States, people convicted of a felony lose the right to vote which they can get back and the right to possess a firearm, uh, which they can't get back without uh, a pardon or other issues. And not all states have that or not all, not all states have that law. The federal government does have that law if you're convicted of a federal crime. So there are ways to get it back, but it's a, a very long, complicated, expensive procedure that essentially amounts to a presidential pardon. Um, and no one has ever contested this in, in the Supreme Court, so it's the law. The law has never been thrown out. So we can say the Constitution says X, but then the federal law says Y, and until the Supreme Court overthrows that federal law, well, then that's going to be the law that everybody follows. More on your phone calls when we come back. 877-973-7425. It's the Eric Erickson Show nationwide.
So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not. They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through. And they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is. The fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified bedding company ever. They used 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Bolin Branch sheets on every bed. All righty, before we head off to the weekend, the phone number here, 877-973-7425. I wish to spend some time on the phones with my listeners, and the phone lines are wide open. I also want to hang out with you in person. If you text the word bourbon to 33777, you can get tickets. Come see me at the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. I'll give you a deep briefing on where we can expect the midterms a week before the election actually happens. Let's go to Mike first. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you? Yeah, doing good, Eric. And I just want to thank you for being a first responder out there. I know how difficult it is. I know Tucker Carlson had a problem, too. He had to relocate. So I just want to really thank you and bless you for what you're doing. Thank uh, you. The main thing is I cry sometimes. A lot of spend a lot of time crying because my job causes me to have to work in the area of sexual assaults and domestic violence. Something that uh, police officers should get hired and they're ever involved in. Uh, but the thing that came to my attention was the fact that some of these 14 and 15 year old girls that I'm called to to respond to, uh, the perpetrators are dragging these girls into places and uh, they're getting off with a second degree misdemeanor. And why is it? Because of what happened back in 2010 with Warnock, Lewis, and Sharpton when they protested against Gennaro uh, Wilson trying to get him out of prison. So if you want to bring safety back to Georgia, if you want to cut down on criminals, you got to go after the criminals. you got to make the laws tough. you got to be tougher on them than they are on the victims. So, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so I'm pushing Mitchell Walker. I definitely I need – we need somebody out there that cares about people. They're not going to try to uh, block child abuse. They're not going to, uh, you know, uh, what do you call, you know, not uh, want to answer questions when those things come up, like 
like yeah, and, and, and Mike, I should I should set the stage here for what you're talking about because there are reports that are only just now coming out because the media has been totally incurious about Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock's church, if I understand it right, from the Washington Free Beacon, they had a camp, and there were allegations of child abuse at the camp, and Warnock obstructed the investigation. Uh, uh, the and it it there's appears to be a more to the story there, but of course the media is uncurious about it. What I find fascinating is I've had two listeners, one of whom I know, and I don't think he's he's BSing. Have said reporters, that one of them said it was CNN. The, the 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 one I know said he didn't know. Um, just it was a reporter, but it was the same story, calling people who went with Herschel Walker to UGA. They were in school with Herschel Walker. And they're essentially trying to dig up dirt on Walker. They're trying to uh, they're trying to dig up some level of dirt, and they're probing students who went to school with Walker for any rumors that they can explore. Uh, it's a it's a fishing operation to do a character assassination of Herschel Walker. It's what they're doing. They are spending no time at all delving into the legitimate, real questions about Raphael Warnock uh, from his church evicting people who can't afford to pay $28 uh, from, a, from a housing program or him obstructing an investigation into an assault at a camp. It just, it's just It's sad to see reporters so incurious about Raphael Warnock. They're serving as a protection force for him. Uh, back to the phone, Cindy, you're up next. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to give you something kind of uplifting because you were talking about such a negative situation with how those people were attacking the guy, you know, mm-hmm. who the, the shooter. I was just going to say our minister has just finished a, a series of three week series talking about good versus evil. And he re, and the last this last one he was talking about. And I'm in Alpharetta, which is right in the middle of all this craziness because it's North Atlanta. And he said it's really hard to keep her perspective, and he never gets political. But he was talking about how people need to look inside themselves in their own problems first before they try to judge other people. Mm-hmm. You know, good against evil. We've all yeah, got our well, own issues. And I just th- I just thought that was really appropriate. And by the way, we also had five new families join the church because of all the craziness that's going on in education. I think that many have something to do with it. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't know that people appreciate enough what's happening, even in, in good public schools uh, in the suburbs that are, tend to be conservative around the country. There's a the, the left has been agitating so hard and so fast, and so many people these days across political parties are now defining their views based on what the other side says. And so, so many people on the right are opposed to the wokeness. The left has just rushed to embrace it in maddening proportion, uh, and it's going to do deep, deep destruction, I'm afraid, to a lot of kids. I think our schools are failing us, which, by the way, for those of you who are listening, if you're a Republican, is another reason you should be supporting school choice. In whatever state you're in, you should be supporting school choice. And it's a failure, I think, of the Republicans, particularly in a state like Georgia, where they control the whole state, to to not push it. Uh, they need to. Now, back to the phones. Uh, Artie, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hi, Eric. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for all you do for our country. I want to jump back to the uh, border crisis for a minute. 
Um, I know the fentanyl is is a desperate. I mean, it, it is is really desperate. But I think something that's getting lost in all this is the fact that how many people? I mean, you're talking about two million people we know of, one million gotaways. If you just take a portion of that, most most countries reserve military is is four hundred thousand or less. Barack Obama, when he was in office, actually showed that this country could be defeated from the inside out. And I think that we're missing the point with all these people coming into this country from foreign countries that wants to do America harm. They might have learned a lesson. The only way to bring this country down or to defeat defeat this country is from the inside out. You put 400,000 people in here that's military-minded, we're done for. Excuse me. Listen, what we're seeing is a massive amount of people coming across the border, all all the the gotaways and the like, and we don't even know where they are. We we, we don't know where they've gone. We have detained Russians, Ukrainians, Chinese, Filipinos, Libyans, people on uh, the terror watch list. If we've got all those and there are 50,000 a month that are just gotaways, people who we haven't been able to detain, we don't know who they are or where they went, but we know they came across the border, it does make you wonder who these people are. It is a failure of this administration. It's a failure of the Democratic Party, by the way. The Democratic Party itself has embraced this sort of uh, lawlessness and now uh, screams racism when the Republicans talk about crime, but it's a big issue. And you know, it's one of the issues that is uh, shifting the race in Nevada with Adam Laxalt. Uh, in in um, Nevada, Hispanic voters have moved towards the GOP in part because of illegal immigration. If you're a Hispanic voter in Nevada, you came to this country and went through the legal process to vote, and you're kind of infuriated that 50,000 people a month are flooding this country's border uh, illegally, and the Democrats are letting them get away with it. it it's, it's not going to work out well for the Democrats with those with those voters. Back to the phones. Jason, you're going to be the last caller today. Jason, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hello, Eric. All right. Well, I was calling... You know, I have not voted for president since Ron Paul ran a while back. But in the last election, I actually would have ended up voting for a Democrat if Tulsi Gabbard had been the nominee. If they had been able to get her up as a nominee, I would have been voting for a Democrat. And as I'm sure you know, you know, she's left the Democratic Party now. And I was just wondering what your opinion was on the chances that the Republicans might be able to finally wake up and turn against the horrible con man of Donald Trump. And vote if Tulsi Gabbard, what the chances do you think might be of her run as a Republican? And then what the chances might be of, like I say, Republicans finally turning against Trump and going for a nice quality ex-military soldier, someone who was virtue like Tulsi Gabbard. Just wonder what you thought about that. So uh, I'll tell you, um, she was driven out of the Democratic Party. In in fact, um, she gave an interview on Fox News that the Democrats are essentially overrun with uh, wokes, and that's why she had to leave. And and she's right on that. Um, but I don't know that Tulsi Gabbard could make it through 
a Republican primary any more than a Democratic primary because as much as she has fallen out of favor with the Democrats on a host of issues, she has never been aligned with a lot of Republicans on, for example, abortion. She is uh, pro-abortion. She was critical of the fetal heartbeat bill in Georgia and the one in Alabama. Um, she, she's got a baggage that alienates her from the right as much as from the left. She would fit in well with the Libertarian Party. And if I had a hope, I would hope that Tulsi Gabbard might try to wrest control of the Libertarian Party from the lunatics. For those of you who haven't paid attention, uh, I, I got to distinguish. There are state Libertarian Parties, Georgia has a state Libertarian Party. It is putting up candidates on the ballot in November, one of whom could force a runoff in the Senate race. There is also the National Libertarian Party. The National Libertarian Party has been overrun, not with libertarians, but libertines. Uh, it has been overrun with people who want to legalize prostitution, uh, legalize, um, lower the age of consent, or or have people vote on the age of consent, legalize all drugs, things like that. The liberty, they just, they don't care about the government as long as they get to have a good time. That's not really the Libertarian Party as most people think of it, but it is, has become. It's the Libertine Party. And if Gabbard, given her clout, could become a presidential nominee for, say, the Libertarian Party, she wouldn't win, but she could at least force uh, some quality ideas back to the forefront of the Libertarian Party. One of the problems we face in this country, I think, is that the left and the right have lost a lot of their intellectual capital. And the reason they've lost a lot of their intellectual capital is because the nation has so few persuadable independent voters. Right now, what the left and the right do through the Democratic Party and the Republican Party is they try to just persuade their bases to turn out. If you create a viable third party in this country, if, for example, Tulsi Gabbard, who doesn't fit well with the Democrats and she doesn't fit well with the Republicans, but she fits pretty good with the Libertarian Party, minus the kooks who've taken over the national show, if she were able to wrest control and galvanize a movement behind her within the Libertarian Party, she could actually give the Democrats and Republicans a little bit of a run for their money. You would never get the Republicans conceding on abortion issues. She's pro-abortion. You would never get the Democrats conceding on some of the woke issues. She's not very woke. But you would get them conceding on enough that they would have to begin to form the intellectual capital and arguments again to try to persuade people to vote for them and not her. And again, I really do think we have two uh, – we've got an oligopoly on this country of political parties. And really, you've got two parties. It's almost monopolistic. Depending on your state, California, Democratic monopoly, Texas or Florida, Republican monopoly. They don't have to persuade the independents so much as they do just mobilize their own base. When you have to mobilize and persuade, you talk differently. Now, it also depends on your base giving you some good grace to say, I get what they're doing. They're trying to persuade people to come to our side as opposing to attack, 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 attack because you're not staying on my message. But we need that in this country. Our country needs healthy political parties. 
And when in either case, either party goes too far one way or the, the other, including to my side as a conservative, I want the Republicans to be fully on my side. But I know if the Republicans embrace everything I think on the right, they're going to alienate some of the people we need to build a viable coalition for power. And when that happens and you see it happening at the state level, uh, both sides get devoid of ideas. And when they get devoid of ideas, it's all about scaring your base to motivate them to go out and not using the power of persuasion to draw people to your side. Tulsi Gabbard running as libertarian. Tulsi Gabbard is a third party candidate with a platform that resonates, would force the parties out of their current mode of operation, which is to scare their own bases and motivate them and force them to actually make persuasive arguments to draw in independent voters to them. We need that. It would be good for our democracy. It would be good for the republic to have a viable third party for which the two main parties must compete for voters. I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen, though. What I do know is that if you go to the Eden Pure Deals website, you can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Don't go. Do not go to EdenPure.com. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. And you will see a discount code box on the very front page of the website. What's your radio show host code or something like that? And you put in Eric3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Now, if you're listening and you hear somebody else do this, put in my promo code too. I want the credit. Eric3, E-R-I-C-K-3. And you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You save $200 and you get free shipping. And all you have to do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in Eric3. Now, if you don't know what this is, it's an air purifier. I don't use it as an air purifier. I don't run it in the house all the time to get rid of the dust and the pollen and the like, but it does that. I use it to eliminate odors. I keep it in my suitcase. If my hotel room stinks, I can fire it up and it wipes out those odors. If I've blown cigar smoke into my car when I'm getting in from the golf course, I can fire it up and it wipes out the smoke odors. It gets rid of litter box odors and pet odors and smoke odors and musty odors, you name it. Get three of them, one for upstairs, downstairs, your car, your RV, wherever, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. You can thank me later. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I got to play you this audio. This this is impressive audio. This is from uh, Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe. Listen and you'll understand why I'm playing this. Our live look at Philadelphia. And be- yeah, the, 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 the city of brotherly love. Yes, it is. Yeah, and Michael, um, yeah. also the son of Philadelphia, yeah. comes out of there. Also, you know what else comes out of there? What's that? A lot of crime. And the reason yeah. I bring that up, wow. okay. every time you bring that up, progressives are like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's just as dangerous in Manhattan, Kansas, as it is in Manhattan. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. And, and if you're a Democrat, you need to be concerned. All of the murders, the chaos in the city, you know, our, our CIA buddy, Mark, a uh, guy with a long last name that Paul starts Rock with Rock. He, yeah, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's been most dangerous parts of the world in the CIA. Yep. He now drives around with Philly cops. They're demoralized. He said he fears for his life more in Philadelphia than he de- ever did in the most dangerous parts of Afghanistan. Um, and why does this matter? Not because of downtown Philadelphia, because nope. downtown Philadelphia is going to go nope. Democratic. It always does. But the Philly suburbs that have been breaking there Democratic right now, they're starting to feel like, like New up. Yorkers felt yep. in 88, 89. It is, it is chaos there. And to Joe's point, 
The Democratic spin is that, well, it's actually uh, more violent where you are. Uh, my buddy Joey Jones, he's on Fox News, pointed out that uh, crime somewhere, and, and some Democrats said, well, statistically, crime in noon in Georgia where Joey lives is worse. Yeah, but uh, you, you don't quite, if you're, if you're saying that, you don't understand what's going on. Uh, the Washington Post, Phil Bump, did a story that says, actually, crime's not on the rise anywhere. It's just Fox News talking about it. This is Joe Scarborough talking about it now. Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Los Angeles may elect a Republican mayor who's running as a Democrat, but he's a Republican. Everybody knows it because of crime. In the suburbs around Atlanta, where I live, people are worried about crime. In the Philly suburbs, where Fetterman wants to let murderers out of prison, people are worried about crime. And in Wisconsin, we now have video of Mandela Barnes on TV saying police should be defunded and police forces shut down. And he said it on Russian television. There are voters there are worried about crime. Crime is the issue to persuade voters to vote Republican who are not already persuaded. 